Welcome to There's a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell. I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs. I've been in business since 1994. The purpose of the Method to the Madness is to get to what's real and what is simply not true. The method to the madness is what it is. Like there's a reason why we do things. There's science behind health and fitness. It's not as complicated as some people try to make it out to be, but there is a science and I like to explain that to people. So when they go work out, when they exercise, when they're working on their health activities, they know what they should be doing and they're not wasting their time on silly hacks, games, and other ridiculous things that people tell you to do. Before I get to that, let me thank Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 280 five-star reviews on Zillow, and they're true professionals. Jonathan actually has a degree in real estate from Florida State, and his beautiful wife, Lynn, has an MBA, and that means they're professionals. In my opinion, I think it's good to really... Go after what you are going to do with your career and try to make yourself the best. I've always believed that in my line of work as well. If you need help, they can be reached at thegildengroup.com. So today I'm going to talk about the method to the madness to building some muscle because there is a science behind it. It's actually less complicated than we make it, but again, it's it's things that we don't know about or they don't talk about. When you pick up a magazine or you read a strength training book or you watch somebody's workout program for you on social media, you know, like on Instagram, they'll give you a picture of a workout protocol, whatever, wherever you're seeing these things, or maybe you're hearing them, you might hear the person say how many reps, how many how much load, how much rest, and all that kind of stuff, how many sets, and all that stuff. So those are called acute program variables, all right? They help us measure things, but they don't mean anything. Like, there's a reason why muscles grow. And I promise you this, your muscles can't count. Your muscles don't know how many sets you're doing. Your muscles do not know what load you're lifting. Your muscles don't really know much of anything except they're getting tired. So I want to talk about that today and another little intro into that. So you really grasp what I'm getting at here is another thing that kind of gets in the way of people understanding this is the old, I guess it's a myth. It's just not true when you hear people say that there's a style to lifting. All right. So in other words, let me give you an example. Recently, Quite often, actually, one of the things I've seen is, um, you know, some women, sorry, ladies, but I've only heard it from you, so I'm not trying to be sexist here. I've just only heard women say this. So women say about other women that do CrossFit, they'll say, well, I don't want to look like that, so I'm not going to work out like that. And I've heard of actually a guy that... Uh, I read one of his sample books. It was a free book on Kindle. So, I, you know, I read it because I like reading different things. And the author said some pretty true things about strength training, but he didn't say all of it true. And he, and he said something like, so if you want to build muscle, you train like a bodybuilder. And if you want to get stronger, you do 
such and such. And doesn't even matter what such and such is. It's just like, that's wrong. I mean, so in both cases, people are giving credence to how people are responding to lifting. And the number one parameter that decides how people respond to lifting is their genetics. I mean, that's the bottom line. And and don't get me wrong when I say I follow some of the CrossFitters or whatever. It's not like I'm into CrossFit. I've never taken a CrossFit class in my life. I would never teach a CrossFit class. Like I'm not into CrossFit. I respect some of the things that they do. And I think like all sports, they have some really good athletes. And then there are things I don't like about CrossFit, but that's neither here nor there. It's being fair and saying that more than anything, the sport chooses you versus you choosing the sport. So if you've got those kind of genetics and abilities, you are going to do well. And one of the people that I know locally is a very, very good at CrossFit. She, uh, I don't know, you know, I'm not going to say names and stuff. It's probably easy to figure out. And this is nothing but complimentary to her. But, you know, who the heck knows if she wants to be talked about on a podcast. So leaving the names out. But she lives here in my area. And she's, she's an, um, a master's athlete. She's very good at CrossFit. I think she's gotten really high up in the ranks for her age group. But I knew her from swimming. Like, she was a phenomenal swimmer. She swam in high school. She swam in college. Then she got into triathlon, and she did really well there. And now she's doing CrossFit, and she's dominating there. So so what are people going to say? Well, I'm not going to swim because that's the swimmer's build, or I'm not going to do triathlon because that's the triathlete's build. And when you think about it, that's so silly because those are those two sports are the sports that you would think of where you might have an opposite idea how somebody looks. When you think of CrossFit, you might think, oh, more muscular. You think of triathlete, you think leaner or whatever, not as lean as a runner, but leaner than a CrossFitter. And it's like, but this is the same person. And she's essentially looked the same since I've known her. She's always just had a nice, muscular, lean build. That's just who she is. So the first thing we have to understand with muscle building is that how we respond is largely genetic. What we do, we should all be doing the same thing. We should all be trying to stimulate the muscle tissue that we're trying to work. And if we're smart about our body, we would we should be trying to work all of the major muscle groups of the body. But it's not really any more complicated than that. Like, it is a genetic thing how we respond. If a person who is a mesomorph, which is a muscular body type, and have more predominantly fast twitch muscle fibers than slow twitch muscle fibers, and if they train, say, like a weightlifter, and weightlifters do the exercises of clean and jerk and snatch, so it's like an explosive movement, there has to be a lot of technique. But if they train that way and never did bodybuilding, so to say, they would still be muscular and big. And if you took a triathlete, like a real natural triathlete, like a Lance Armstrong looking cyclist, and he was a very good triathlete before he was a cyclist, by the way. He went to cycling because there was a lot more money in it. But if you take him and put him on a bodybuilding, say, split routine where you're hitting all the muscles from different angles and you're doing supersets and all these different things, you know, these tips and techniques that bodybuilders might use he's still going to look like Lance Armstrong. So 
Should he lift? Of course he should, but for his own strength and his own fitness goals. But we need to get it out of our head that there is a certain way to lift to bring about muscle. Okay. It's just not true. There's certain ways to lift, of course. I mean, we don't want to get hurt. We want to use proper form. We want to use proper technique. We want to hit the proper angles, of course. But that has nothing to do with how we're going to take off. So get that out of your head. That's the easy part. Next, a little bit about the science. What do we have to do? What's the what's the method to the madness? It it man, it drives me nuts. Like even the NSCA, the National Strength Condition Association. I don't think they do the best job either with some of their major textbooks on strength training. Like they are so hell bent on pushing the acute program variables, which is fine. I mean, you need to know that and I'll explain why at the end, but they just give us like the methods, but not the madness. So in other words, the acute program variables are the sets, the reps, the loads, the rest times, the exercises chosen, the days of the week, the train. Okay. All that matters, but it only matters to get you to the end result. What freaking builds muscle? I mean, if you go and say to build your biceps, for example, do three sets of 12 of preacher curls and you leave it at that. You might even say use a certain load, right? So that's all I got to do, right? Just three sets of 12. I'm going to build arms like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like, Well, what if those three sets are nine minutes apart? What if your reps absolutely suck? I mean, I, I mean, it's hard enough for me to keep my own clients form good. A lot of times, I mean, you know, just this morning alone, I'm like, pause up, hold it, nope, slow down up, full range of motion, eh, 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 pause, hold it, stop, hold it, pause. I mean, it's like with people who are trained, it's like I have to say something a million times during the workout. Don't lock out. Don't, oh, don't keep tension on the muscle. I mean, so I couldn't even imagine what people do when they're working out alone. I mean, form is everything as, as anybody who knows me knows that I've said this a million times. So what if your form absolutely sucks, but you did your three sets of 12? I mean, you're really going to build so much muscle. And what if when you got to 12, you had another 20 reps in you? But what if one person got to the 12 and it was all they could do? That's still the same thing. It's not the same thing. Like those are just acute program variables. What we have to do, and it's this simple. Like I said, it's a science, but it's simple. You have to get the muscle to failure. If you don't get the muscle to failure, they're not going to grow as much as they can. Well, they grow some, of course, I always say, one is infinitely greater than zero. Of course, you're going, at least at first, at least at first, you're going to get some benefit of doing sub-maximal sets because that's what they would be, sub-maximal sets. If they're not taking the failure, it's sub-maximal. You're not going to get a lot out of that. If you've been training for years like me, you know, 40 years, I mean, if I don't get the failure, I did nothing. So I better really push the muscles to the point where they need to go and, and I shouldn't be on an ego trip worried about if it's what rep it is or what load I'm using. The idea is to get the failure. So that's the first part. And the method to the madness behind that is, is because when you get the failure, that means you have recruited every single muscle fiber. Now we have thousands of muscle fibers in each muscle belly. You have fast twitch and you have slow twitch muscle fibers in each muscle of your body, in each muscle belly of your body. When you strength train, 
you're trying to recruit every one of your fast twist twitch muscle fibers. Now you can't select which ones, okay? That's impossible. The size theory says that we always recruit from the smallest to the largest muscle fiber. The smallest muscle fibers are your slow twitch muscle fibers. So you recruit them first. Early in a set, you're recruiting your slow twitch muscle fibers. Once they start to the fatigue, then you start recruiting your fast twitch muscle fibers. And you keep going until you've recruited every last one of your fast twitch muscle fibers. When you do that, you provided a way for the muscle to be broken down and grow. So that's the first part. 100% recruitment of the fast twitch muscle fibers. Now, sure, there's some things you can do to speed that up. You can go faster on the concentric, which means on the positive, and slower on the eccentric. Yes, and all that's good. And I think form is very, very important. And I think if you understood that your ultimate goal is to get to failure, you would actually keep your form better and not worry so much about trying to get to a certain rep. Okay? So that's the first part. That's muscle recruitment. Now, the next part is the energy system that you're in. Because we all have we all have three different energy systems that recruit or uh, resynthesize adenosine triphosphate, ATP. ATP is the only energy source your muscles can use directly for fuel. When you break down carbohydrates and fat for energy, what they do is they are used as a substrate to make more ATP. That's what happens with that, okay? Now, we have three energy systems that help you resynthesize more ATP. You have the immediate energy system, which only lasts from 8 to 12 seconds, so that's completely anaerobic. And I'm not going to bore you with, with all of the details of that, although I was just so tempted to because I really love exercise science. But then you have the anaerobic metabolism, which basically works between second 30 to second 90. So between 30 and 90 seconds, you are using your anaerobic energy system to resynthesize ATP. All right. It's in that system where you feel lactic acid burn. That's an anaerobic system. Now, if you go to failure between 30 and 90 seconds, you have done what you can do to increase your muscle mass, which is called hypertrophy. That's really that simple. And I'll just give you the last energy system because I told you there's three. There's the aerobic system, which lasts anywhere from 90 seconds into infinity. In other words, the aerobic system is just the nice, easy system that you use when you're seated, when you start to jog before you get anaerobic. So it can be the aerobic system can be anywhere from sitting and lying down all the way to until you get to anaerobic, meaning until you're running along and you get to the point where you start to cross over to anaerobic, that's your aerobic system. So you are constantly providing more ATP in that system. All right. So why do we count reps? Well, because how many people are going to train with stopwatches? How many people are going to really know the science? Secondly, probably most importantly. So reps were really created as a way to keep track. That's all. So if you go back to where we started really talking more about reps, it was during the 1970s when Nautilus came out with their training and they really pushed for the six second rep, they called it. So that was four seconds on the eccentric, the lowering phase, and two seconds on the concentric with a pause. So like a six second rep. Well, guess what? 
If you do six second reps of 12 reps, or better put, 12 reps at six seconds each, you're at 72 seconds, right in the middle of the anaerobic window between 30 and 90. Now, if we're at a lower, like we're doing lower reps around eight, but we're still over 30 seconds, yes, we're gonna get results. And some studies have shown that if you're more fast twitch muscle fiber, you tend to respond a little bit better at the lower side of the anaerobic window, like 30 to 45 seconds. And if you're more slow twitch muscle fiber, you tend to do a little bit better between 75 and 90 seconds. So I think that's making it more complicated than it has to be. All right. So yes, we count reps because we like to keep track. But the most important thing we look at here, Ellen and I and Angelica when she works here, is to make sure that your form is good and you are approaching failure. Not everybody can get to failure and not everybody can get there. I mean, everybody can get to failure, yes. But there's a mental part of people that want to push and don't like to push. And even the ones that think they're pushing maybe aren't pushing like they really can. So yes, we still get something out of that as long as our goal is to approach it. Like that should be our goal. You know, try to squeeze out more repetitions is, is the ultimate goal for everybody. But there'll be exercises. Yes, you can't do that on. Like when you're doing rehabilitation on a joint, you want to keep the intensity down a little bit until you know you can go through full range of motion and not aggravate a joint. Of course, but there, that doesn't mean that you can't go to failure on your other exercises. So other than that, though, it's about trying to get there. And, you know, we will sometimes put on a load, say do 10, then we'll increase the load, only give you 10 seconds. And that's not even really doing multiple sets. That's just we're trying to get the muscles to failure. However we get there, if we refuel properly afterwards, then we're going to grow. It's really that simple. And people get into the argument of how many sets, and it's like, who cares? I mean, there, there is no magic number for anybody. Like, if, if the focus is on quality, if the focus is on, like, what is my ultimate objective right now, and that is in the best form possible to get to muscular failure, your body's going to tell you how many more sets you can do. I mean, it really is. And the more you do sometimes, the harder you push in the early ones. So, you know, I would do more warm-up sets versus more sets after you hit it, if it were me, because objectively, again, you're just trying to get to failure. I'm not saying don't count. You can count to kind of get an idea of where you need to be. And if you keep a chart like I do or a journal, it's like, okay, well, if I got 18 reps, you know, that tells me I can easily go up and spend less time in this particular set. But if you just go to failure, like when I train at other places, I love to work out. As I've said before, I like to go to little gyms and I don't always know, you know, the familiarity of their certain machines. Like when I trained up in Ellenville in New York a couple weeks ago, he had some Cyvex machines in there. I haven't used a Cyvex row machine in a long time, seated row. I didn't know where to start. Who cares? I put it on like half the stack. I said, eh, this feels all right. And I went to failure. I mean, it makes life so much easier when we think that way. And that is the method to the madness. That's what we got to do. Have you ever looked at some landscapers? You know, they're out there, they're muscular. Maybe they're, you got the shirts off because they're cutting the grass in, in summertime. You know, they got biceps and pecs. It's like, Okay, that's manual labor. That's work. They're working those muscles to fatigue. They're not counting reps of how many times they cut lawns in a day or whatever. You know, it is about fatiguing the muscles, people. 
And it just drives me nuts when not enough trainers are talking about it because if they do, people will use better form and get their egos out of it because it's the ego, as Ryan Holiday says, that's the enemy. It's like, oh, I'm going to get 20. And then their form absolutely sucks to get there, you know. So keep that in mind and push it, people. All right. Speaking of pushing it, I had a client a couple weeks ago say, hey, Rob, give Zach and Jeff Hawk a shout out for me from Overhead Door Company for me because she got stuck at her house with uh, one of the storms or something really got her in a pickle with her garage door. And uh, she was, you know, nervous, literally couldn't get out of the house. I mean, she get out the front door, but she had to get her cars out, you know. So it was a big issue. She had overhead door. And uh, they came out then, like literally Zach, one of the owners, Zach Hawk, who lived maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes from her, got in his truck, drove over there, got her out of the house, and she was so happy. She said, make sure you give them a shout out on the podcast. I said, I absolutely will. And that's what you get when you deal with local businesses. You're not going to get that if you deal with Lowe's. Can you imagine? I'm probably going to get sued by Lowe's now. Oh, well, if you're an employee there, uh, you know, just don't show your boss. But, you know, I don't care. We all know that Lowe's could care less about you. So, you know, if you're waiting on them to come out and fix something for you, you're going to be waiting all day. But give Overhead Door of Daytona Beach a shout if you need any help with garage doors, whether buying a new one or maintenance or just, you know, Come out and get a quote. Give them a shout at overheaddoordaytona.com.